I like it spooky. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the I Like It Spooky podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Jason. I'm Clint. And before you eat that last piece of fruitcake, before you chug down that glass of eggnog, let's get to the news. Jumping right into it. I didn't know where that was going to go. I love your little impromptu thing. So just. I, I didn't either. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, I got some news that I was reading off of Dread Central. I'm excited. I'm a, I'm a Hitchcock fan. They're remaking The Birds, which I'm apprehensive about any remake. They do have news that they got Scarlett Johansson is going to, has signed on to play the lead role, like Tippy Hendren's role in the original the birds uh kind of early to talk about it i know it's still just in development they just got her signed on so production hasn't gone on yet we don't know when it's coming out but just something i'm i'm excited for something we can look forward to hopefully we'll talk about it more as development goes on what do you guys think about it i'm actually surprised there hasn't been more hitchcock remakes there's been a couple like they remade uh psycho with vince vaughn which actually i didn't think was terrible you know what i mean i really can't think of another hitchcock remake though I wish I would have thought about it more now thinking about it. Didn't they redo like something with rear window or they, they switched it up or something, but it was something like in the nineties. Yeah. There's been some like loose adaptions of it. Wasn't there like a shy LeBeau, like whatever the hell his name is, the kid from Transformers that they did one that was his neighbor was watching him or he was watching the neighbor and the guy was a serial killer. Kind of like those. The vertigo. I think that was, was that what it was? Yeah, I think so. Now, I do know that, and we we talked about this once on one of the episodes real real briefly, That, um, and I don't think you guys had known about it, but they made a Birds Part 2. And again, it was like the early 90s or something. It, you brought that up, Brian? I don't even remember enough about it to say anything. I saw it once and I forgot about it. Anyway, it, it, I'm curious if they're going to incorporate any of that into this remake or if it's just going to stay true to the original. Or You got my interest. Hitchcock, Birds, let's go. Let's watch it. And Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah i got it as uh one of my vinegar syndrome movies is why we talked about it because i was like oh the birds too i didn't even know they put that out it was one of the movies they sent me i don't know i i'm apprehensive like you jason is it gonna be like all cgi birds the original is just so good and i don't even remember what the birds look like in the original i just know <laughs> people are scared shitless of birds because they watch that movie I remember some of the scenes, they looked pretty crappy, <laughs> like it was, it was like, but no, nah, it's, you know, we'll see what they can do. Technology's come a long way, but yeah, you can still spot CGI when, if it's not done right. I, I don't know what it is, but I've been able to, I have this knack for when I go back and watch old movies like that, I have this knack for being able to disconnect because I, you can look at that and go, oh, those birds look stupid. You know what I mean? I've developed this knack. I can detach myself and put myself into that time area. Like I do this when I watch a lot of Vincent Price movies. And um, when you watch Last Man on Earth, by today's standards, it's it's a G-rated movie on a Sunday matinee. But I, when you put yourself into that era, it's like, oh my God, this is a gory, violent, scary ass movie, you know, dumping bodies down the ravine and stuff. All right. What do you guys got? Well, I was going to say, do you think they're going to go off the pigeons are not real phenomenon that's going on or that has been going on? Have you guys heard about that? No, this is new to me. Explain. 
So there's a group of people that believe that pigeons are not real, that pigeons are like spies for the government and they're robots. You could buy t-shirts and everything. They have a website, pigeonsarenotreal.co.uk. And you go on the website and it's like, here's the microphone, here's the camera, here's the speaker, here's the <laughs> charging coil and the computer and the battery. It's a whole website. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that no one needs to spy on my shopping habits because, you know, like, you know, the internet already does that. But yeah, every time I go to Kohl's or anything like that, there's like 75 pigeons on top of the sign. Are they trying to figure out what, what stores we're going into? Jeez. They're watching you. No, I think yeah. what it is, is they're trying to see what you're buying so they can get a jump on the episode and find out ahead of time why you're so poor. Conspiracy. It's what it is. <laughs> They're trying to be whistleblowers. They're trying to leak the information. Just like Roddy Piper said, just when you think you know all the answers, I change all the questions. Or wait, was that backwards? Fuck it. You know what I'm talking about. Brian, <laughs> what's going on? T take us out of this weirdo tinfoil land. What the hell's happening? So my news is also a reason that I'm poor. So uh, TerraVision announced a 2023 subscription today. Well, today, it's been a couple days ago, but um, a vinyl subscription. And they actually announced four of the records they're putting out. They have Neon Maniacs, Hello Mary Lou Prom Night 2, The Giver, and Toxic Crusaders. So it sounds like it'll be a record a month for a year. Um, $200, you get some other stuff, some t-shirts, some other cool, like a 2023 mat. I have the one they just put out. They're doing payment plans, it sounds like, and they're going to cap it at like 500 They said they were adding 80 more on the Facebook post, and I know when I got my record last time, it was number out of 400 So I'm guessing they're going to cap it around 500 but I'm really excited for Neon Maniacs. The Giver, I've, it's been on my radar, I've never seen it. And, you know, Toxic Crusaders is the old cartoon. That's always a uh, fun stuff to not listen to and keep wrapped up so I can sell it later. Right, Clint? You, well, yeah, absolutely. But you've never seen MacGyver? No, no, it's The Giver. Oh, The Giver. I thought you said MacGyver. <laughs> and I'm like, you've never seen MacGyver? <laughs> I'm like, the, the show MacGyver is probably how people learn to put together robot pigeons. You know, you take a gum wrapper and a bobby pin and some feathers and now you got a robot spy pigeon. <laughs> no the giver <laughs> gotcha gotcha that's cool i love uh vinyl soundtracks i know those aren't the more mainstream ones <laughs> like that i stick to so i don't know a lot of those movies yeah but i'll definitely check it out subscription i don't know about that but checking it out on a different basis but then that kind of pulls me in because like oh these are more limited than other ones so i know the value and stuff but yeah it is a it's a big expense right there at the beginning i was just gonna say it's funny you say that because i've been thinking to help sell ink mirror toys more than they've been moving i've been thinking about going limited or you know only <laughs> a few <laughs> just to see what happens go the 80s like retro the campaigning type thing put it like on the thing you know limited edition rare 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 you know just kind of also talking about vinyl records i want to talk about this since you brought it up waxwork records Brian shaking his head. He knew I was going to lead into this. They are also bringing back a subscription, which they've done it in years past. They didn't do it this last year, um, but they have a subscription limited to a thousand people can sign up. I'm interested in this one, but it is going to be pricey, pricey. I'm sure they've already introduced a couple or announced a couple soundtracks that sound really good. I'll just go through them real quick. Uh, Dawn of the Dead, 
It's getting a new uh, reissue. Uh, the Fun House. That would be great. You know, I love the Fun House. That that's going to be a subscription one. Also, Body Double. Don't know much about that movie. I've but seen it, but yeah, it's and then uh, the Sentinel. I I don't know what that is either. They'll release these soundtracks probably without the subscription, but there'll be different color variants and all that stuff. So if you want the limited thing, but sorry to kind of impose on Brian's news by adding that, but yeah, yeah, more to talk about. What do you guys think about Waxwork and Terror Vision? I think Waxwork's going to be expensive. That's just, they have to pay more to get more mainstream stuff. I mean, 200 bucks for the Terror Vision ones right up my alley. And I'm already a subscriber. They'll piggyback off of when this ends. Then they'll send me an invoice to like finish out the next year. Um, and they're also doing some payment plans. They're a small company. There's only two people that work for them, I think. Um, it's husband and wife. So they can kind of do those kind of things. I'm guessing the Waxwork's probably going to be 300 maybe. I don't know. But for 12 records. Yeah, you're essential. I don't think I don't think you get 12 with Waxwork. I should have looked back to see how they do it. Oh, six new soundtracks that I think you're guaranteed to get those. But then you also get like a t-shirt, a beanie, a hoodie, a slip mat, a calendar, 10% discount type thing. So if it's only six records, but even if they 50 bucks, 200 bucks, I was about to say 50 bucks a piece, like 300 bucks, because a lot of releases now that come out to Waxwork are about 40 bucks. God, that's crazy. Wish we can go back to, you know older day prices but it's the world we live in now i gotta be quiet in case she's listening but my oldest listed quite a few vinyl records that she wanted for christmas and um you know i'm going through the list and i'm looking them up and most of them were priced decent but there was a couple of them like jesus christ pricing some of these like you're talking about now that they're um not available anymore on top of that but these like where rare color pressings and all this stuff like they hold a lot of value and i'm seeing you know i'm looking them up and exploring the options and i'm seeing even like um really worn and really broken and used items going for quite a bit of money it's insane it's all the supply and demand they haven't pressed some of these records for 15 20 years trying to get a hold of one it's going to be tough i know we talked about it some of them that you're looking for and yeah they haven't been reissued in a long time and people want them people will pay i i do know that uh terravision what waxwork shout factory all these physical media companies are really starting to chip away at, at my i don't know a physical media wall you know just because like brian you mentioned with terravision hello mary lou part two or whatever and um toxic crusaders and those are just examples of many but they they keep bringing back or terravision brought back Re attack of the killer refrigerator all these great titles that i can't find or i haven't seen in a while or i forgot all about and i'm like holy shit they oh man that'd be cool that'd be cool. breaking me down and i have to start spending money different places well, Waxwork also released uh, the Firefly family box set recently that has uh, House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects, and what, 30? No, not 31. Three from Hell. And it was, I was guessing it would be about 125. Holy shit, it was 165. Came with a nice box set, came with a nice slip mat. Damn. And it didn't sell out right away, so it's still available. So hopefully they'll release a nice little discount sometime coupon, and maybe I'll jump on it then. Because those records are long, or not long out of print, but out of print and very valuable on the secondary market. Even more valuable if you follow the uh, cult of Clint, which is hashtag save the box, where you just don't open this shit. So then it has even more value. And speaking of cults, 
my news segment, <laughs> I came across a couple things. I was going to talk about um, a potential sequel to Violent Night, but I think we're going to discuss that a little bit later on in the episode, potentially. I came across this cool article about <clears throat> how they did the effects in The Devil's Reign, which I really wanted to talk about, but I decided to go with this. Speaking of cults, hashtag save the box. And that is, um, there's a film coming out called The Resurrection of Charles Manson. Uh, It's going to be hitting on-demand and digital outlets on February 16th, 2023. Now, I know what a a lot of you are probably thinking as you're hearing me talk about this is Charles Manson. There's been so many different renditions of Charles Manson, and he's been in this film and that film and all all this stuff. But this looks interesting enough for me to want to talk about it. And a quick synopsis is a couple goes to the desert for a romantic weekend and shoot an audition for a role in an upcoming coming film. Their holiday quickly turns deadly as they are the target of a cult who carry on the evil beliefs and murderous practices of the Manson family. And this cult believes they can resurrect the ultimate object of their obsession, Charles Manson himself, through a shocking ritual of human sacrifice. I think one of the reasons this kind of caught my attention was when I read the synopsis, the first thing that popped in my head, I should have looked this up before we started recording because now I can't think of it. Um, it It was a Clyde Barker movie oh god what the hell that was the name of it and they were trying to bring back their cult leader and he was buried oh it's gonna kill me i should have looked it up it reminded me of that movie which was a really good movie not in the mouth was it in the mouth of madness that's a carpenter movie well i'm sounding like an idiot right now and i'm gonna look it up and i'm gonna blurb it out before this episode's over with but (laughs) it reminded me of that which was a really good movie charles manson's always a hot topic hot commodity what do you guys think another charles manson visual in the works no, it sounds kind of cool. I was worried, like, when you said the resurrection of or Charles Manson. We don't need any more Charles Manson movies, really, where it talks about what happened, all that stuff. But this is kind of interesting. Um, so just people who are fans, for some reason, I know we're in a PC world talking about it's kind of... They're crazy people. They go out there. It's kind of cool that they're going to try and bring them back. I would like to see what happens, and I'm sure it's going to be interesting. Lord of, Lord of Illusions. That's what I was thinking of. So, and that's what I thought would be interesting about this is, you know, everything we've seen now are kind of like um, character studies of Charles Manson or um, almost like docudramas were this. I mean, they could do something like in Lord of Illusions and resurrect him and turn it into this like supernatural kind of film. So we'll see what they do. It's going to be releasing. It looks like a couple days after. Oh, let's talk about it again and give it a plug. Couple days after Valentine's Day, which is when what comes out? Valentine Bluffs a fan film. Check it out. Valentine's Day, twenty twenty three. What's that movie? <laughs> My first thought when you said, "Oh, a Charles Manson movie where they resurrect him from the dead," I'm like, "Okay, so in like fifteen years, Vinegar Syndrome's going to release Charles Manson Resurrection on eighteen K from the original." <laughs> you know what I like? Uh-huh. The original 4K pressing, we put it to 18K. And our, our kids are going to be sitting here talking on this show and talking about why they're poor because they're going to have to go buy what their old dads talked about. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean, real quick, though, do you, do you think it'll make any money? Do you think the Charles Manson thing will make money? Maybe eventually. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know how a lot of these B-movies make money. I guess it depends how much they put into it, how much they want it to be out there and for everybody to see, but I mean, I guess if they do rental at home, they could probably make a chunk. Sounds like Pluto pays plays pays pretty well, like you know, because there's ads and stuff. So you get your movie on there, and you get ad revenue, and sounds like they pay better than Prime. Yeah, I keep forgetting about places like that. You know, they do get paid per stream and all that stuff. So yeah, I'd I'd like to get paid so we could buy more stuff. I like money. You guys like money? 
I love money. Hey, Jason, what, what's what's going on with our money this week? We are still poor. And let me tell you why. <laughs> I actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, so we're still in that, you know, capitalism season where we're forced to buy gifts for everybody else and not ourselves. But I did buy myself some stuff. So let me tell you what about what I got. So I know last episode we talked about I bought a couple autographs. I'm kind of keeping that going. Last time I talked about, I bought a Cliff Image autograph, who was a security guard in Halloween 2. Then sadly, a few days later, found out he passed away. So I'm glad I picked that up when I did. But this time, also bought um, another Leo Rossi autograph. This time, a full-size 8x10. Beckett certified. He was one of the paramedics. He played Bud in Halloween 2, which I like Halloween 2, so I'm trying to buy a lot of those. Also found another seller who was, he had some auctions going on some autographed 8x10s, and he started them all at 99 cents, and some of them are, you know, lesser known people, but I was like, oh, okay, here's my chance to kind of get like a nice little stack of autographs that these are people I'm probably never going to meet. I picked up Atani Moyer, who was a nurse in Halloween 2. She's the one who got stabbed in the back and lifted up with the scalpel. And I already have an autograph of hers, but I picked up another one, which is pretty cool. And then trying to finish out my Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, cast autographs. Uh, I picked up, I actually picked up two Peter Henwood, who played Rocky. I just grabbed two of them because I didn't know which one I liked the most. <laughs> So I thought I would just buy them both and then, you know, get rid of one that I don't care about as much. And then I also got a Richard O'Brien who played Riff Raff in Rocky Horror Picture Show. So now all I really need is Columbia and Magenta. And I think I'm done with the main people's autographs and those should be easy to get. I really wish I could meet these people and get them to sign something. Maybe in the future, if I ever do, I'll be able to replace these and have that actual interaction with the people, but... I know Little Nell's still alive and kicking, Columbia, to the best of my knowledge. And I think Patricia is who played, um, the name's escaping me. Magenta. Thank you, um, who played Magenta. I think she's still around also. I don't know if they do. I don't know if they do cons. Tim Curry does every once in a while. Mm -hmm. I've got Tim Curry. I got Meatloaf, Susan Sarandon. Out of all of those, I've only met Meatloaf. And I'm glad I met him because I won't be able to anymore. But yeah, I want to just finish that out, even if, you know. I have to pay for them, sadly. I will. Just It's just the collector in me, I guess. But that's all I've really picked up. Just a few autograph pictures, and they they were a good deal, I thought. I didn't buy nothing. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, it sounded to me like you got a list. Oh, where to start? So I went uh, antiquing yesterday, thrift shopping yesterday. Um, we were downtown for some Christmas stuff, and I picked up a Smokey and the Bandit, the original vinyl soundtrack. Make Joe Bob proud. He That's his favorite movie, it sounds like. We went and seen him in Burlington a couple months ago, and he was really talking up Smokey and the Bandit, and it was like 8 bucks, and it sells for like 20 25 on eBay. So I was like, yeah, I'll pick it up. It's no on Golden Pond vinyl, but uh, you know. And then uh, they had some weird double-featured DVDs. They had Caligula with The Cell. That's the two movies on the DVD. And then they had Tromeo and Juliet, with 40 days and 40 nights. And I was like, okay, I kind of get Caligula in the cell. I mean, same genre kind of maybe, but 40 days and 40 nights and Tromeo and Juliet are nothing alike. <laughs> Tromeo and Juliet's like a trauma movie and 40 days and 40 nights is like a Josh Hartlett 
teeny bopper like love story and they were a buck each and i was like that's just fucking weird that these movies are together the beauty is it's trauma so it's not supposed to make sense the once the word trauma is involved it's it's beautifully not supposed to make sense and then i got my uh vinegar syndrome subscription this month um it was freeway evil laugh burning paradise Invisible Maniac on 4K, which is a fun, goofy, not mainstream movie. And then uh, Homegrown Horrors Volume 2, which is Dead Girls, Moonstalker, and Hanging Heart. And that's in that nice, um, hard slipcover box. I think I need to go back and buy the first one. Just so I'm like, oh, I got both of the Homegrown Horrors. And then being the completest that I am with TerrorVision, I shot them a message. And I was like, you guys are starting a DVD or a Blu-ray club. I want everything that you've already put out. And I already have the WNUF. So this week I got in Norway, Killing Spree, Blood, Guts, and Sunshine, and Video Violence 1 and 2, all with the slips. And I went on eBay because I didn't have the slip. And I have Love and Saucers, which is like a UFO movie coming um, somebody had it on there with the slip. So I will have everything that they've put out so far, and I'll start my subscription with Santa Claus whenever it shows up. I think that's it. I bought some magazines. bought Horror Hound when we were downtown yesterday, and uh, we stopped by the bookstore. I was like, I'll pick up Horror Hound. What was on the cover of Horror Hound? On the cover of Horror Hound is Dead Alive. Ooh. Oh, I don't, I don't have that. That must be coming to me. It better be. On the top it says Halloween Ends, uh, the VHS Invasion of Joe Bob Briggs, and Terrifier 2. Then I picked up Rue Morgue 2. I haven't looked through this one. Unsettling Toys, Terror Train. Well, I haven't gotten my Horror Hound yet. Now I'm nervous maybe my subscription ended and I didn't realize it. or Because <laughs> I want the Dead Alive one, damn it. They call me every month. They hold me an episode or a not an episode, a magazine. You know, It comes out every couple months and they hold it for me and they call me. Until I go pick it up. I was early this time because usually it's like a month or two later. Some good pickups. Those subscriptions are really paying off. Well, and the Santa Claus. Um, I thought I saw that they announced that they had shipped all copies. So you should. Yeah, I should have it soon. Yeah, I'm a, the freeway. I was like, I feel like I've heard of this movie. And it's like a 1990, almost looked like it was like made for TV something. But had a pretty well-known cast. What, is that the Kiefer Sutherland freeway? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, huh. And the back, the artwork on the back. I talk about that a lot in the videos I do on YouTube. Like, Vinegar Syndrome, I love their covers, but it's almost always the back that I like better than the front. You know, the Incredible Melty Man, I was like, I love the back. It's just the simplicity of it. So I've heard of Freeway. I've never seen Freeway, but just based off the graphic on the back of that, the guy in the back of that that you just showed us looks like Looks like Bill Mosley from Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 3. So it has my interest now, and now I'm going to watch it. Yeah, it's Keith R. Sutherland and Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I remember seeing it back when it came out, and I thought it was good. Um, I always get that one confused. There's two of them. One where I thought Keith R. Sutherland is, he's a serial killer in that one, right? And there's another one where, is it Keith R. Sutherland? Where he kidnaps somebody, like some guy's wife. I want to say it's Jeff Bridges is in it. Yeah, I'm going to have to look that up, but you know, that was another one that... I only got about 800 movies to watch. What'd you buy, Clint? I got one thing, and one thing only. I'm I'm not big ballers like you guys. I don't have <laughs> money to throw around like that. So I couldn't, I couldn't pass this up. It was 45 bucks. Fright Rags released it. It finally came out, and it is the Silent Night, Deadly Night, Stop the Killer Game. 
if I would have got on board when this was going through it, the Kickstarter program, I could have got the expansion packs, you know, and all the little extras that come along with it. And I actually came across a pretty good deal on eBay because this was just released. I thought it was already out for purchase, but apparently it was just released. I saw on eBay, someone had it with all the expansion packs for a pretty good price. It was only like a hundred bucks, but Christmas is here and I got a bunch of other stuff going on. And I'm like, ah, I'm just not going to toss the money out right now. So yeah, uh, for 45 bucks, got that from Fright Rags. Pretty happy. Thought about buying two because I want to play it uh, and I'm not going to because I'm not going to open it. And I, and I didn't order two. So no, open it up. Let's see what's inside. Okay, hold on. Nope, not going to happen. I'm pretty sure that if you like go on, go to Fright Rags and there's probably pictures. Nope. I saw pictures. There's like a game board and the pieces and a spin wheel and stuff like that. But I want to see yours. I think one of the, <laughs> show me mine and I'll show you yours. Wait, what? <laughs> one of the one of the things I really like about this, and I think it's going to continue with the other games, is the artwork on the boxes is fantastic. You know what I mean? Just all around, like this is a cool box. It's got it's got Billy Chapman on the cover with the axe. And it's got the, you know, the title graphic and then it, the box itself looks like it's wrapping paper being ripped open. And, you know, the Iris toy logo is there. It says Iris toys officially licensed and it looks like an old school price tag kind of, you know, thing. So this is the naughty or nice edition ages 17 plus one to four players. Well, it's going to be zero to zero players because it's not <laughs> going to get open. So it's funny talking about Silent Night, Deadly Night, Friday morning. I was getting ready for work and I'm like, oh. I want to watch Silent Night, Deadly Night. So I got on my phone and I started looking to see where it was streaming. And it's not streaming anywhere to watch for free that I've seen. You know, it's it's all rentals or you got to buy it. Then I'm like, all right, I'm going to look up the Blu-ray. Let me look. Oh, damn, the Blu-ray is like 20 some bucks. I don't really want to pay that just to see it. So then I uh, have to come down to the basement for something else. And I like look at my rack and I'm like, oh, fuck, I've already got it. <laughs> like I have it on physical media. So I'm like, oh, OK, I'm glad I didn't pay for it again, but. You need to get that thing that Brian has, the app on your phone that tracks your movies. I do have that, but I didn't even think that I, I had it. I usually have an idea of what I have, but no. Where'd you get that at? Oh, wait, I picked that up for you. Did you really? Yeah, because I went, remember I went to Disc Replay and I found a copy and I was like, oh, I'll grab this because I know it's expensive. And then I stumbled upon another copy somewhere along the line and I was like, oh, I wonder if Jason would want this. So I picked it up. Yeah. Well, thank you, Brian. Now I can watch it. <laughs> you know, the, I know that you guys have known each other a lot longer than you have known me. But, I mean, you're buying them Silent Night, Deadly Night. You got them the shock, shock treatment record. I get the Happy Birthday to Me 499 Menards movie. <laughs> I think I picked up Silent Night, Deadly Night for like five bucks when I found it. I was about to say, yeah, it was probably a cheap pickup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't pay like 20 for <laughs> he's, it. I he's found good it at finding the deals. I want Silent Night, Deadly Night. I had to rent it off Prime for like two bucks. No, never mind. I don't want it. Oh, no, fine. You know what? That's right. I forgot I picked this up too. The Fog. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like a British version of The Fog. It was eight bucks. I didn't know if you guys know me, but I like that movie. Pretty good. Talked about it a couple times. <laughs> Speaking of Silent Night, Deadly Night, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys saw this yet. The latest inkmere.com knockoff novelty toy is going to be... A Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 toy. Can you guess what it's going to be by looking at the picture? A garbage can. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you ever seen that movie, Jason? The whole garbage day thing. 
I don't know if I've seen it. I need to watch. I I feel like I have seen it, but I don't remember shit about it. So I need to watch it again. When I was talking with Robert Robert Brian Wilson, who played Billy Chapman in the original Silent Night, Deadly Night, he told me that Eric Freeman, who played his brother Ricky in part two, was at a convention and the whole garbage day scene, which if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about, that Eric Freeman got these small kind of plastic or whatever, I think, garbage cans and was autographing them at conventions. And it sounded like, you know, he was sought after and his autographs were sought after, but it sounded like the garbage can thing didn't go over well, if I understood what he was saying correctly. So anyway, that just was rolling around in my brain. I thought, well, yeah, because it needed like a bunch of cool artwork and a backer card and a a blister bubble to make it look like an old school toy. So, but I mean, it costs money to buy these things, costs money to make these things. And I think we need some more money so I can buy myself shock treatment in Silent Night, Deadly Night. How about we take it to a sponsor to get some cash? Hey, everybody. Clint here from the I Like It Spooky podcast. If you have listened before, then you know this is when we showcase a commercial for the sponsor of an episode. We decided to take this spot today to let you know if you have interest in sponsoring an episode, all you have to do is send your name, business, and contact info to ilikeitspookypod at gmail.com. We will then get back to you with trade, rate, and fee info. And a contract written in blood. So this is a horror news, reviews, and entertainment show, but you do not have to be genre-related to advertise to our audience. You could be looking to get the word out on an event. We're trying to reach the masses and let them know about casting calls for your next production. Hell, you could be wanting to fill a dispatch position at your local hospital. Maybe you own a coffee shop or want to let people know about your Indiegogo or Kickstarter campaign. Maybe you are the actress who played the waitress in Maximum Overdrive and you're looking for work. Hell, I don't know. Maybe you want to let the world know about your new escort service. Hey, Clint. Yeah, I don't think we can do that one. So remember, if you want to be a featured sponsor of one of the fastest growing podcasts around, send your info to ilikeitspookypod at gmail.com. Well, now that we've heard from our sponsor, let's cover a movie. So this episode, we are talking about the 2022 Christmas action horror comedy classic, Violent Night. What do you guys think? The classic that is officially eight days old as we record. (laughs) (laughs) Once again, we're covering it on this show, so it is a classic. You know, oddly enough, because I mean, we, we pay attention to other shows, other podcasts, you know, genre news outlets and stuff. I don't think I've seen anybody cover this yet and i'm sure that people will and i'm sure that someone has and i didn't see it but i a lot of people i've noticed right now are covering silent night deadly night christmas evil all great stuff to cover but no one's mentioned this movie i wonder why i think i've seen one person one podcast that was covering it but yeah most people are doing christmas evil or um, black christmas 
those kind of things, you know, older stuff, but this was fun. Well, real, real quick, I'm going to, I'm going to cut Jason off and I just want to preface this, that as we're getting in, into this discussion, kind of like when I pick a movie that Jason doesn't like, he opens with, well, Clint picked another, another winner. I'm just going to say, well, Jason picked a real doozy for us to watch this time. <laughs> what does that mean? You, you weren't a fan. I don't know. Let's, we'll, we'll let's get find into out. It. We'll get into it. So I, for one, I enjoyed it. Like, I'll just kind of get into that. I liked how it started. The start of the movie kind of threw me off where, you know, we're introduced to David Arbor. How was that even the start? I saw it a week ago. Now I forget like everything. Right. No. Yeah, that was. And I agree with you. The, the intro was fantastic. So it got me thinking. I'm like, oh, wait, is this guy a guy? Like, I thought he was Santa Claus, but then it kind of threw me into a loop. And I'm like, oh, he's just a guy playing Santa Claus, like just this drunk old man, you know, playing Santa Claus. And then, okay, it, it was Santa Claus. We find out a little bit later. So that's it, it. It sent me for a loop. And I was like, oh, my God. I sat there for a couple minutes while this scene was going on, thinking that I thought I knew more about the movie. But that opening scene was great, where he's just sitting there drinking. He's, you know, down on Christmas because it's all a capitalistic capitalism uh, holiday. The kids, all they want is video games and money. Sitting there enjoying his booze and the Christmas spirit's really low. So it kind of, you know, he was just setting up the movie for later to let you know that the Christmas spirit had a lot to play in it, too. And to help with the Christmas magic. But yeah, that scene was hilarious, though. And, you know, he's sitting there drinking and the bartender's like, you're going to be OK driving? He's like, driving. I just guide a little bit. <laughs> and I, I thought that was funny, like getting right into the comedy part of it. And it, it was a good starting to the movie. It was uh, the beginning was great because then, as so yeah, like you say, he, he's at the bar, he's he's complaining about Christmas, the Christmas spirit. It, it was kind of a comment on the state of the world, and I I agree with Damner everything he was saying as a whole, you know. But um, then he wanders up to the roof. The bartender's like, "Wait a minute, that that goes that only goes to the roof. Where the hell is he going?" Because they don't know he's Santa. They're obviously adults. They don't believe in Santa Claus. They think he's just some drunk, bitter old man. She goes up there and you see to the roof and you see him take off in his sleigh and his reindeer. Well, he was pounding drinks. And then she's looking up and she realizes it's Santa, this older bartender lady. And she's just in awe. And then all of a sudden you hear him grumble his stomach and he pukes all over and it just covers her because he's up in the sky above her. And what was super cool about that was it was fun and funny. But this film, I've talked about this before. I haven't been to a big theater experience in a while. Now, when I went and saw this, there was maybe 25, 30 people. So it wasn't packed. But everybody in the theater that I was at was engaged with this movie. They were hooting and hollering and laughing and, oh, oh, my God. And so it made it more fun, an experience with everybody. And that's where it started, because when she got puked on, the whole room is just like, oh, my God. Ah. There was that few minutes where the fan interaction or a few moments where the fan interaction was well-deserved and, and fun. Yeah, we probably had 20 or 30 people in the theater when we went. We went on a Friday night at 7 o'clock, so I'm surprised that it's not made more money. I mean, the budget was $20 million and it's sitting at like $29.2 million worldwide. It's fighting the Black Panther right now and losing I'm sure it's going to pick up, hopefully, as the next few weeks go on coming into Christmas. We're obviously going to discuss this movie way more than we have so far, but I think this is going to wind up being one of those, I don't want to say cult classics. This is going to 
garner a following and get a 4k release from TerraVision or shout factory and this is going to be the frighteners where some people aren't going to like it and it's um it's still it's going to make money in the back end yeah it's a i've seen a lot of people say i'm adding this to my yearly christmas watch list horror fans you know people that watch the kind of movies that we cover and that we enjoy a lot of people are saying oh i'm adding this to my watch list it eventually it'll have a cult following and It'll show maybe in Burlington at the Capitol Theater. Our buddy Tad will be showing it, you know, eventually with a Scrooged or something like that down the line. And I remember when I first saw this trailer come out and I, I messaged you guys and I'm like, guys, we have to like watch this trailer. I don't know if I went as far as we have to like cover it. I was thinking it was more of a horror movie. Like when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be great. And then it wasn't. It was just, you know, Santa Claus action. But it kind of fits with us here. You know, there was a lot of killing going on. A lot of, I mean, we can't cover only horror stuff, but it, what I took from it at the beginning. But I, I was telling my daughters when we went to see it on the way down there, I was like, <clears throat> I'm, I said, I, I'm surprised this keeps getting categorized as a horror movie because all the trailers I had seen and reviews I had read up until when we went to watch it, it was billed as, um, oh crap, I knew I should have wrote this down. Die Hard meets something else i can't remember which i think was it was a fitting a fitting um title for what it what it wound up being but it wasn't horror there wasn't i mean yeah there was there were kills it was gory but it wasn't horror at all yeah i can't wait to get into it and talk about some of the kills as we go but i want to talk about so my experience too i went to the theater and we said that there was there, we had a little a, a pretty good group there you know there wasn't a ton of people but I went ahead and opted for the D box seats. I don't know if you guys know like what these are. I go to a Cinemark movie. I've never sat in a D box before. I thought that the, the seats were just cooler. This it sounded better, but these fucking seats vibrate like crazy. They move. So I'm sitting there and I turn, there's like a little thing where you can turn it all the way up. So I turned it all the way up. The intensity of the vibration, it was kind of stupid. Like when a car was coming by, the seats would rumble all crazy. But when Santa's sleigh took off from that roof, my fucking chair started moving. Like my feet dropped, my feet went up. Like it was like, it was a little too much. I'm never going to buy D-Box seats again. But yeah, this was an experience to have that. I was cranking my wife's all the way up and she was like, no, no, no. Then we found out we could turn it off later on in the movie, but it was it was something else. When the bartender got puked on, did like the chair spit slime at you or anything? Oh, <laughs> no, thank goodness not. Yeah, spit a little beer in my face or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be great. They have that like at Disneyland. That would be fun. But no, these were just moving and it was a little, there was one part where the guy like cocked his gun and my whole chair vibrated. I'm like, come on now. <laughs> like he just cocked a gun. I don't need like vibration to know it was too much. So I don't recommend D-Box seats because it was like, it, oh, and then I wanted to post about this. So I'm I'm a big guy and I was reclined back and I'm watching the movie, but I can see my belly like jiggling <laughs> like as, <laughs> as, the, as the fucking movie's going on. And I thought about this. I'm like, how weird is this? Like I'm at a movie watching a movie about Santa Claus and my jolly belly <laughs> is just jingling with the movie. And you paid extra for the jolly experience. <laughs> And I looked over at my wife several times. She is just fucking dying because I'm over here, like trying to fucking hold onto this chair. And, oh, it was an experience. But yeah, this I would I would recommend it one time. But this is all I pictured. I know you got people listening can't see this, but I just picture you in the chair. Just... 
<laughs> Fall over in the chair. Uh, luckily, there was nobody else in our row. So <laughs> it's now looking back, thinking about it, it was a fun experience. But the whole time, I'm like, this fucking chair. <laughs> and he went and seen Violent Night in D-Box and his belly jiggled like a full bowl full of jelly yeah <laughs> i was a jolly fat man there like, <laughs> i just see popcorn like fucking flying out of your b- bucket you're like fuck. <laughs> and they don't on these chairs they don't give you like the table like they do at the regular recliners and that's probably the reason <laughs> i have my soda <laughs> sitting on it and then all of a sudden it's shaking in my lap and I forget what we're talking about now. I know we just we're talking about we Violent Night. Yeah, started the opening of the movie, but it got derailed here. Well, we talked about we talked about the opening where um, we meet Santa. We meet David David Harbor as Santa, who I think, um, in my opinion, I think he was what made this movie. I'm going to say some good things about this movie. I'm going to say some bad things about this movie. But all in all, I honestly feel not a discredit to the other actors or not trying to discredit the other actors. But if, if he was not involved in this project, I don't think it would have been anything. So we get the, the, the great intro with him. He pukes in the bartender. And then that, that was in London. That was one cool thing I thought is they, they kept um, the, the time zones in mind because that was happening like around what, I think eight, nine o'clock at night in London. Once he flies off, you see that it's, I, I don't know the time zones, but it was like four thirty. Uh, it, it, in in the states, you know, and it was all happening at the same time. So yes, yeah, so then we uh, things kind of slow down, and we get introduced to our cast, and you've got um, a father getting picked up by his estranged wife. I think they were separated. You kind of find out, and um, and their young child, and then they go to his mother's house for Christmas. It's Christmas Eve, and you find out real quickly that she is. Um, was she like a senator? I think a congresswoman. She was something. A just huge house in the middle of nowhere, gated security staff. Just rich. Yeah. Yeah, just loaded with money. And uh, they, I think they did picked a, a good choice for that because she was, it was Beverly D'Angelo, the mom from all the Christmas vacation movies. So it was nice to see her in that role. With a lot of plastic surgery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's how she looks, but that's, you know what they made her look like in the movie. I don't know. I haven't seen pictures, but I, I didn't recognize her at first until a little bit later on. I'm like, Oh, okay. I, I don't know why I picked up on it. Once we got to the house and you see the staff and you're, you, you meet the, um, you meet the rest of the family and you meet Beverly D'Angelo. I realized that this movie was trying to see how many times they could say, fuck and how many different ways they could say the word fuck in a movie. I think they were going for like a Guinness World Book of Records. Obviously, this isn't a serious, I didn't expect this to be some serious, great film. But yeah, it almost felt a little cheapened. Like they were just like, we're just going to say the word fuck just because we can. This is violent. It's R-rated. Fuck, 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 Santa. Fuck, fuck, fuck. That's, is this a record for a podcast now? Probably not even close. Fucks in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we never dare to try to get like monetized on a platform because we'll just immediately get, you know, we'll owe them money by the time we're done. Yeah, I loved it going in and kind of meeting this family. It shows just how toxic this family is. And I'm not rich, so I don't know if that's how rich families are or what they are, but trying to impress mom. Mom is not loving at all. She's just this miss money bags and that's all they want from her and it's all a show for him like when she's going to come into the room the daughter 
and boyfriend, which the boyfriend, he was fucking hilarious. He was funny. The action star type guy. It go it cuts to a scene where he's like, yeah, if I was on a plane on 9-11, you know, I would have taken them all out. <laughs> like just this cocky <laughs> asshole, you know, and, and you know something's coming. So it's like, oh, is he really going to be like that or is he going to be a little bitch, you know, and. I was going over some stuff to, to write down some notes, like, and Brian already mentioned it, like the budget of this film and everything. And I came across that line. It said it was interesting they used that line in, in this film because apparently Mark Wahlberg used that in a, a film years ago and got in trouble, got in trouble for it. It was deemed offensive because of the severity of 9-11. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. They don't care. Yeah, we've moved past that. This, the world's worried about other shit now and. So as we're we're diving into the to the toxicity of this family, then all of a sudden things take a turn. John Liguizamo. I'm gonna go on record right now. I've never been a fan of his. I've never seen I've seen movies he's been attached to that I enjoyed, but I've just never been a fan of his, and I don't know why. He strolls up to the guard shack and he acts like he's you know, stranded and then he shoots the guard in the head and you find out that half the staff in the house are all part of his team because they're there to rob this rich family who apparently has what three million or thirty million or three hundred three hundred million. Yeah, three hundred million in in a big vault in the basement of the house. That they stole from the government. Yeah, they got three hundred million to provide like security in the Middle East and didn't do it or be a contractor or something in the Middle East and they didn't do it and they took the money and put it in their vault. So it's kind of like, who's the bad people here? This shitty family that stole a bunch of money from the government. They're shitty family, but they stole from the government. So we kind of like them for that. Or the people trying to steal the money from the people that stole the money from the government that are a bad family. Yeah, like the whole movie is like, okay, there's like two good characters in the whole movie. The little girl and Santa Claus. That's it. Everybody else can just... Even Santa, we find out that he's a bad motherfucker, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, that John Leguizamo character, I wasn't a big fan of all that. Overall, just normal guy, bad guy, you know, coming in with his whole team. And the Beverly D'Angelo character, she's not worried at all because she has her own security team that's going to swoop in and save the day. The extraction team. You needed one of those seats like Santa Claus had in this movie. He was sitting in that recliner like, and he fell asleep <laughs> drinking their expensive whiskey. You needed one of those. And then, yeah, when everything started going down, I loved the reaction of David Arbor as Santa. He's like, oh, fuck, what, what the hell? I got to get out of here. <laughs> he does not want any part of being the hero. He wants to move on. He even says after he gets accosted by the, by the first, uh, you know, the, this this team that's uh, taken over this house, you know, they're, they're sweeping the house and uh, he comes across his first kill, the first guy. And yeah, he's like, man, I, I don't get involved in family matters. I'm just doing my job. I want to get out of here. And it doesn't go that way. We get we get the first uh, the first fight, the first struggle, the first Santa killing one of the bad guys. And then the whole Christmas spirit being low, the Christmas magic like doesn't help him escape because it's so low. You kind of get that first glimpse of that. He tries to escape. And is that what it was? I just thought it was a malfunction. Cause he had this thing where like he would touch his nose or like, 
where his glasses, the bridge of his glasses, and he would like kind of shoot up the chimney. You think it was Christmas spirit? I thought it was malfunction. No, it was, and it shows later on, he goes to do it again. And he's like, oh, it leads into the Christmas spirit. Nobody believes. So the magic was low. So he couldn't escape, you know, at that time. And then, uh, you know, he's trying to fight the guy with the machine gun. They shoot through the roof and scares the reindeers. They take off and leave his ass. And he's like, no, I think he had some funny like comments about that. I don't remember exactly what he said about them leaving him. And so then he was, he was stuck. He had a fight when he was looking out the window and kind of looking for a plan of escape. And he looks down and you see hollow or Christmas decorations for no reason. Be looking that sharp. They were like icicles that were sticking out of the ground. And you're like, Oh, this is going to be a part of something. <laughs> you just know, like that's out of place. It, I don't know why they're there. And yeah, he ends up fighting the guy and, the guy gets impaled on that. Was that the first guy he was fighting? I think it was. He goes out the window and they all have these uh, Christmas names like Gingerbread Man and Candy Cane and like all the characters did. John Leguizamo was was Scrooge, which I thought that I thought that was kind of cool. And then there was another guy in the movie. He was Krampus. He was the he was kind of like the crazed you know, like the, I don't know, just the psychopath of the group. And um, I'm watching, I'm like, man, that guy looks familiar. Who the hell is that? And I'm like, oh, I was like, he was in um, Freddy vs. Jason. He was, I think, one of the one kid that they uh, they broke out of the institution in Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, the guy in like the elf suit. Yes. Yep. Yep. He was in that. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the other guy who was like, there was some older guy who was like next in line to be in charge or something like that. And I thought that's who you were talking about. No, 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 no. I'm talking about one of, one of the henchmen, but he was like, kind of, they painted the picture where he was like the psychopath. He was like the guy who, if, if you needed to get tortured, they're going to have him. And his, his uh, name was Krampus. He, he was kind of funny. The actor's name is uh actor's name is Brendan Fletcher. He was the one that was going to use the nutcracker, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and was happy about it. So uh, Santa kills the first henchman or whatever, one of the crew. Is that when it cuts away to the, the family in the downstairs? Or is that later on? That's later on. The Nutcracker thing's later on, isn't it? The Nutcracker thing's later on, yeah. I think the Nutcracker thing happened after the second kill, which I think the second kill is Santa's trying to figure out where to go, how to get out of the situation. He winds up downstairs. They had like a game, a game room. Yep. That's where he discovers the walkie talkie radio. Cause I guess we should back up a little bit in the, in the beginning, when we get introduced to the family, the, the daughter, um, the young daughter, she, how did that work? She, Oh, she, all her dad always took her to see Santa every year. And he didn't because we find out he was preoccupied and we find out why a little bit later on in the movie. But, um, so he feels bad about it. She didn't get a chance to tell Santa what she wants. So he thinks quick, he goes down to this game room and he grabs one half of a, just a little walkie talkie set hands it to her and says, this is a direct line to Santa who covered his own ass. And then, you know, she, the mom and dad are out listening to the daughter talking the walkie talkie, talking to Santa about what she wants. She was a sweet, sweet girl, a good actress too, especially for her age. I mean, she pulled everything off really well. Well, so yeah, Santa's down in the game room, getting ready for fight number two. He hears her talking on the radio. He grabs it, starts talking to her. And that was something I liked too, was I thought, a lot of their conversations between the kid and Santa bogged this movie down. They were necessary, but I think they were just too lengthy in my opinion. But I liked I liked how the dialogue between them, no matter what was going on, Santa was talking to a kid. I don't know how to, you know, it's just yeah, he 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 was bashing people's brains in with sledgehammers and blowing people up with grenades. But whenever he talked to the kid, 
they had this this relationship that maintained it was it was pretty cool and he knew she believed and but then the whole time that she's talking to him she's in like the living room with everybody else did they not hear her like who the fuck are you talking to exactly they don't hear some guy talking back right yeah well she had the headphones on yeah she had earbuds in so and they're just like oh she's just pretending and she's like no i'm talking to santa and they're like whatever you are talking to Santa. You're right. You're fine. Well, yeah, but especially after the after the first or second kill, they didn't like go. Wait a minute, who's that little girl talking to? You know what I mean? They didn't try to take her walkie or her mic or, or walkie or whatever. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, they knew somebody was there after the what the first kill. They're like, eh, something's going on. There's a rat somewhere. But yeah, they never picked up that she's talking to somebody. And that's why it exactly was like Die Hard. <laughs> There's just some somebody out there screwing up these terrorist plans on a on a lower level. Well, yeah, and I, I looked it up and I forgot the, but it was it was um, categorized as Die Hard meets Home Alone, which we get to see some home we get to see some Home Alone a little bit later on in the movie. But now the the second fight scene in the in the game room was a great fight scene, and there was a quick little line in there. I don't know if you guys caught it. It was fucking hilarious. Santa uses his bag a few times as like a shield because when you put your hand in Santa's bag, it goes into this like void and then you pull out a present and it's always something different. And you know, you kind of find out it's like this bottomless magical bag. And so he's using it as a shield and like the, in the fight scene and like the guy who's fighting, like puts his hand in the bag and pulls out whatever. And then Santa's trying to find a weapon, like a hockey stick or something. And he puts his hand and he pulls it out and it's like about the size of a DVD. And he says, uh, he was like, what's this? He's like, oh, die hard on Blu-ray. He tosses it to the side and he reaches back into something else. Oh, it was hilarious. I didn't catch that one. <laughs> well, and when they picked up the little girl at the beginning, she was like, I stayed up late last night. I was watching Home Alone. And then she kind of talked to, when she's talking to Santa, she's like, okay, I'm going to set up. Like she made a comment about Home Alone again, about setting up her little traps and stuff. She's hiding in the attic after she gets away. I don't remember how she gets away. I know it's during the whole nutcracker scene. She escapes and runs off. Yeah, she just ran off and she got herself up into the attic and was hiding up there. Yeah, but go on with that scene in the in the game room. That was great. Oh, you know the um, they were, they were back and forth, and I, the only thing that really sticks out besides the diehard thing is how Santa kills the guy. He takes um, a, like the the blinking star on top of a tree and shoves it in the guy's eye. The guy he was fighting was was tough as nails, just this big brute of a guy who would not stop. And even when he got that jammed in his eye, he, he hurt. He was screaming, but he was still coming after Santa. And then Santa plugs it in. And the guy gets electrocuted and falls back. His head catches on fire. That was a good scene. And he's like over by the pool table filling up a stocking with cue balls or pool balls. And he uses that as a weapon. That It was a great scene. That was one of the good fight scenes because you'll see later on in the movie when they're in the barn or when they're in the attic. Everything is fucking dark. Yes. You don't get to see a lot. That It's one knock on the movie. One of many that you know we'll probably talk about. But yeah, you don't see a lot. The action scenes were great, but you just can't see a lot. So that was one bad thing. See, I wasn't a fan of how they shot the action scenes either. Um, you know, I knew what was going on. Like visually, they told me the story, but they did the whole handheld, shaky cam, quick cut. I just wish it was more framed, better lit, a little more stable. I, I was expecting a little bit more out of that. I wasn't expecting a lot, but a little bit more out of this movie than what I got. A lot of the kills were great. I, I don't remember all of them now. I, I really want to go back and watch it again so I can kind of pay attention. But I remember there were times where I was like, ooh, ah, damn, you know, take people out in the barn and 
you think of that some of the um, camera being darkened is budget constraints maybe saying hey if we light it up too much we're not you're going to see too much of the kill and you're not going to be able to hide what you need to i'm sure there's a fine line for directors and uh, cinematographers but yeah it's I don't know. With the budget being 20 mil, though, it's, it's a decent little chunk of change. And if you think about it, there wasn't a whole lot of special effects. There was, but it wasn't flooded with special effects. It wasn't flooded with CGI. I'm assuming it it appeared to be like a one or two, you know, a, a minimal location shoot. Some of it was shot in the woods, which is go anywhere and shoot in the woods. So, Of course, when they were in the woods later, you'll see there was a chimney there and you knew that was going to be part of the movie. I just wonder what John Leguizamo and Beverly D'Angelo and David, oh God, what's his name, Harbor? Yeah, how much of that, them three being in the movie, ate up the budget? I mean, I wouldn't imagine it was a lot, but it was probably a nice chunk of change to get those three in the movie. Especially with David Harbour. I mean, out of those three, and again, I'm not knocking D'Angelo or Liguizamo, even though I'm not a fan of his work for the most part. David Harbour is the current biggest star currently. Of those three, yeah. Yep. Beverly D'Angelo's been in everything from Many Which Way But Loose to Christmas Vacation to you name it. You know, I mean, classics. Uh, but David Harbour is huge currently, so... You talked about uh, the girl talking to Santa Claus a lot, lengthy scenes. It did kind of set up the movie before he went out to the barn and he got his hammer. When he found that sledgehammer, it kind of went back. That was kind of confusing when he's sitting there talking to her. And I guess it just goes back to before he was Santa Claus. And like I thought about the movie The Santa Claus, like with Tim Allen. That kind of set up where Santa Claus fell off his roof, so he became the new Santa because he put on the jacket. So that kind of tells you that Santa Claus has a life before, and I think that's where they were going with David Arbor. He was some, he seemed like some kind of Viking warrior back in the old, old times, and he had a hammer, and that was his thing. Skull crusher. And he made a comment a couple times that he was not a good guy. And I don't think they ever led into how he became Santa or what happened. They didn't. So I, I, I wish they would have gone more into that. They just went back and saw him with his hammer and, of course, setting it up when he saw the sledgehammer. He's like, oh. And then you know he was going to go to town with that. And Oh, he was a bad motherfucker with that sledgehammer. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I wish they would have gone more into it. And Well, you know what was interesting is it almost looked to me like they were going a certain direction with it. So yeah, you find out just like you say that Santa used to be this like Eamon Arth Viking Norse warrior. And he was like the guy that would, they'd send in to, you know, he was the melee guy close range and killing three people at once with a swing of his hammer. Like you say, he discusses how he, he wasn't always a nice guy. And you kind of, as the movie unfolds, you find out that John Leguizamo's character, Mr. Scrooge, you get a, a lot of his backstory about why he hates Christmas, things that happened in his family. He accidentally killed his grandpa, all this kind of stuff. And I thought they were going to, towards the end of the movie, do a switch where John Leguizamo, who was a bad guy, became Santa. It looked like they were heading that way. And I wonder if they were. And then at last minute, they made a change. Yeah. And his head went another way. Yeah. The rest of them went some different ways too. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. I don't care. I'll just say it. I was, we're not there yet. But towards the end, man, they're in the woods and Scrooge and Santa are fighting. And it looks like Scrooge has the best of Santa. And they're right by this chimney, like Jason just said, of this like old burnout shack that's on the property. And Santa makes his up the chimney magic happen while he's holding on to Scrooge. And they shoot up through the chimney. But of course, Scrooge remains human. So he just gets busted up and ripped to shit dead. 
And all I, I looked at my girls, my daughters, and I was just like, I was like, flawless victory. You know, it was that was a complete Mortal Kombat finisher. That was like Scorpion all the way. I loved it. And that's going back to with the Christmas magic. I think at that time he was he was making him believe that he was Santa Claus because he knew his name. He knew about him. So I think for that little bit, he made Jen, John Leguizamo's character believe in Santa Claus enough to get him that magic, even though they're still fighting to get up the chimney and tear him apart. At first, at first, Leguizamo didn't believe him and he kind of does more and more as the movie goes on. But yeah, at first there was even more diehard references where he said, I think he said something like, you know, Hey cowboy, this isn't an action movie, you know, and stuff like that. Just a lot, a lot of diehard call outs. So back, backing up from, from the uh, Mortal Kombat finisher in the woods, Beverly D'Angelo, you know, tells as this is all unfolding, Beverly D'Angelo tells Mr. Scrooge, that uh, she's not worried about a damn thing because her extraction team's coming in. And Liguizamo's playing it cool. Scrooge is like, yeah, I know. I know everything. I know, but, oh, you, you don't think I know this? Well, I know that too. Come to find out, the extraction team has teamed up with John Liguizamo. And they're all bad guys there trying to steal her money. And they go down to break the vault. And um, actually, it was kind of cool how you found that out too because the action star son-in-law Kicked one of the bad guys, a pretty cool kick. You know, I was like, oh, maybe this guy can handle himself. Jumps out the window. He's running for safety. The extraction team shows up on snowmobiles. And he's like, oh, thank God you're here. You know, blah, 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 blah. I would have taken them all out, but I had to go get help or something like that. And the extraction team shoots him. And you're like, oh, shit. And then you find out that all the bad guys are working together. But we also find out there's no money in the vault. They break into the vault. And the money's all gone. What happened to the money, guys? Well, do you remember that earlier... Well, I'm sure you do, but in the movie, the son had given her a gift or the the bad guys were like, oh, since this is your last Christmas, we can just start opening gifts. So the son's gift is given to the mother and there's a card and she reads it and she just like stuffs it in her pocket. She gives him a dirty look. What What does it say? What does it say? And she's like, it can be kept between us. And she just like sticks it in her pocket. The money's gone, and there's this, what's going on here? I kind of thought if when I was watching it that he was just saying, fuck you, I'm leaving the company. I'm done with your shit. I'm leaving. Don't ever contact me. I don't need your money. And to her, that'd be, that's what keeps everybody close to her is they need her money or they want her money. Um, Because the action star, like, what was his gift? Like a script or something? Playbill? Here, I want to make this movie. Read it. She did not seem a happy about that gift no not at all he's like give me some money that's my gift to you is for you to give me some money be a part of this and the little tiktok kid ruined it for him he didn't want to give the gift to the mother anyway he was like oh no 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 i left it in the car no no he didn't want to like bring up the money because he knew he didn't know how it would play out but she played it well so they didn't know until later on and that's when we get into like the nutcracker scene when they're trying to they find out that the money's gone and they're trying to find out where the money is and nobody's wanting to give it up. We find out later on that the card that he gave his mom was a note. And I they never say what it said, but I'm pretty sure it, it explained that he stole the money and he's out of here. And what I thought was what I thought was cool is, is she, the mom, Beverly D'Angelo, actually is kind of like proud of him. She's like, son, I stole this money from your grandpa and now you're stealing it from me. And it's just it's a family tradition. She was pretty happy, you know. Oh, man, I wish somebody had 300 million of my family I could steal from them. 
Oh, you would get it eventually, you know, just knock them off or <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's it. Well, kill them, steal it, whatever. I mean, it's whatever. Yeah. All crappy shit. Wait till after Christmas. <laughs> well, I'm not getting any gifts this year anyway. Well, now go big or go home, right? No, not making that after making your kids say the F word, then you, you're getting cold. You're not even getting cold. She uh, she gave that letter to Santa Claus yesterday. Did she really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so while all this is going on, um, what made the them go look for the daughter? I forgot that part. The girl that was hiding up in the attic. Something was going on. I think they realized that she was talking to him, so they were trying to go find her and or use her as a piece to get find out where the money is from the dad or whatever. She's hiding up in the attic and she has it all set up like the home alone. You know, she has all the fantastic setup though they they realize she's up in the attic so they go to climb up the stairs and they see a nail sticking out of the thing and then there's a uh, board on the ground with like razor blades and nails sticking out of it and they're like kid if you want to like you know do trick us with these you got to hide them better than this you know and so the guy goes to climb up the stairs but she had cut one of the stairs and he didn't realize it it breaks and the nail that was in the stair goes right through his under his chin up through his mouth and so it kind of shows you like oh, okay no she knows what she's doing you know and then the lady climbs up the stairs and she dumps bowling balls and they're all bouncing at her and going down and hitting that guy in the head and he falls back onto the spikes so she set it up perfectly that was a cool scene i love that whole home alone scene i loved it and it was if you i didn't know this would be possible to make a more violent home alone booby trap scene you know, obviously, and they still kept the whimsy in there somehow. I don't know how the hell they did it and pulled it off, but I, I loved all of that. Yeah. Well, they found out she was in the attic. They had captured Santa Claus. They had him in the tie to the chair, chain to the chair. And uh, they were talking, he was talking about, oh, didn't I get you that bike that you wanted? And didn't I get you that doll that you wanted? And then you hear John Legozamo's story about how he killed his grandpa on accident, but his family always held it against him, um, and how his dad was lost his job, and the people, their neighbors had money, but they had no money for Christmas, and how it just kind of, he felt like Christmas ruined his life. Um, she was up in the attic, poured the packing peanuts or whatever they were down, and they thought it was snowing, so they're all like, He's making a do this. It's snowing. And then uh, they figure out it's just like soap or whatever. Um, So they see that she's up there. That's when he taps and he goes up the chimney. He has enough belief that he goes up the chimney because they were kind of like starting to believe he was Santa. So that's how they find out she's up there and go to get her. Well, and then the fi they finally kind of get the best of her. You know, she's done with all the traps and the lady grabs a gun or something and she's about to shoot the little girl and then... Here comes Santa again to save the day. He made a comment. Didn't he say, like, you're on the naughty list, you're about to shoot the girl or something? He makes some kind of whim. Yeah, well, he kept pulling out this magical scroll and all these bad guys, all like, oh, these people are on my naughty list. But yeah, he wound up he wound up shooting, her name was Candy Cane. He made, made the kid turn away and cover her ears or something, and he shot her. Oh, I thought he slammed the sledgehammer into her head, but... Yeah, maybe he did shoot her. No, he. I don't think he got the sledgehammer. And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think he got the sledgehammer until he got in the in the shed outside when he took on the extraction team. Well, that would have been before this. The extraction team was before this. I think they were already there by then. Because I thought he hit her at one point when she was close to the girl. He hit her with the sledgehammer, and she flew across the attic. Yeah, I think the extraction team was before that because she had talked to him on the walkie-talkie, letting him know. I don't know. It was, like I said, it was a week ago. I wish I could have watched it fresh again, but 
you guys know what we're talking about once you see it. So here's something I thought was cool or not cool, but interesting also is it seemed like Santa had like this like physical hard time with the with John Leguizamo's team. But the extraction team, who were like these trained military extraction team, he just blew through them like it was no tomorrow. He just massacred those people. Went right through them. Oh, that was kind of cool, though. They do um, show that he's not like this superhuman, crazed, whatever. He gets cut at the beginning. It's way back at the beginning. And he has to go and sew himself up. And you see his tattoos, um, his, like his Viking tattoos. or It was more like a branding, wasn't it? So it brings some humanity to him. Some he's not just gonna live forever, and he's not gonna he can't be hurt. That was nice. That was early on in the movie, but well, we get to the point where uh, we find out wh- who stole the money, where it is. So they they go out to get it. It's kind of getting towards the end of the movie, but this is where Krampus, uh, the guy that you were saying from Nightmare on Elm Street, was left in the room with like the kid and the two wives. That scene was funny. They were arguing about stuff, and you kind of saw it coming. The lady's like filling up her glass with vodka. I'm like, why is she pouring that much in? And she's like, mind your own business or whatever. And then Krampus, of course, like positions himself by the fire. So you kind of see that coming. You're like, oh, okay. Oh, I see what's going to happen here. You know, and I thought it would go a little different, but, you know, she did end up, they're arguing. They have to fight with him, and they end up throwing the vodka in the fire. The flame comes. It doesn't work how they wanted it to, but. They end up getting the upper hand on him. How'd they kill him? Do you guys remember that? I think they just beat him with the stuff from the fireplace until he was like... Oh, that's right. They just kept beating him, and then they had to, like, finish him off. And Do you remember that, Clint? No, no, yeah. Maybe I uh, was getting back (laughs) into my popcorn at that point. eh? Yeah, because it was just the the teenage kid and the, the two moms in there, and they're standing by the fire. They're all arguing about something when... The mom and the son go out to the nativity scene where all the money's hidden at. So they go out to get that. And then they still, the mom, the mom still, or the, the wives still Krampus's machine gun. And I think, didn't David Arbor come back? Santa Claus come down. He's like, do you know how to use this? And so then she goes out there and starts spraying, <laughs> like shooting at him. And I do remember that. And I liked it because they, you know, the first couple of times she shot that gun, you, she had this, they, they did their best to pay attention to little details, which is what I appreciate. But the first couple of times she shot that gun, you know, she had never shot before you could tell. And so she's kind of confused and by the reaction of the gun and the kickback and everything. And then she gets more comfortable. But gun battle ensues. A lot of people are already dead. A few more die. And then um, one of the, extra- the extraction team leader and Scrooge take off on snowmobiles into the woods. And Santa grabs a snowmobile and goes after him husband and his wife and the is the daughter still out there they're left to fight one of the people that's left behind that didn't go with the extraction team um you know in the manger there i think they use like the baby jesus and hit the guy over the over the head with him and you know that kind of stuff so then we get to the you know the woods and they fight in the cabin that's burned down he kills the one guy he's got like a sled almost remember he's on the sled and then he goes down the hill and he hits the guy off of the Oh, that's right. Yeah, he grabs a sled because Santa doesn't grab a snowmobile yet. He grabs a sled, he's running through the woods, and he goes down a hill and knocks the commander guy off. So then he you know, he gets to be with John Leguizamo, and they're fighting. Place catches on fire, and uh, they're outside. That's when they're outside by the chimney fighting. He almost has him pinned against the chimney like Jesus. He's like, pins his arm, pins his arm. I'm going to end this savior to the world and in this holiday and this god is gonna die 
I don't know how he gets a hold of him and he sucks him through the chimney. But what's what's the line he that John Leguizamo, Mr. Scrooge, says before he gets sucked through the chimney? Jason, you should know this. You didn't catch this? I just don't remember. Oh, man. John Leguizamo looks at David Harbour. Scrooge looks at Santa and says, Christmas dies tonight. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like evil dies tonight and Halloween kills. So that was kind of cool. Like after we see, you know, John Leguizamo's parts go everywhere. Then it gets into the worst part of the freaking movie for me. It was just too much cheese. Like all the family shows up. Everybody comes. Well, we find out that the the lead extraction guy who had gotten knocked off a snowmobile, he, he had hit a branch and knocked himself off. You think he's dead. He shows up and shoots Santa. So Santa's dying. I mean, he shot the shit out of Santa. And then I think it's uh, Beverly D'Angelo shoots him. And then so Santa's sitting there dying. And yeah, it's this weird Hallmark wannabe moment. And then they, the one son thinks that he can save Santa by burning the money. Warming him up. And then they all believe in Santa Claus again. And so Santa comes back to life. I guess I believe too. <laughs> like, it's just, you know. And the sister's mad. She's like, you just you just burned a million and a half dollars. And I'm like, oh, fuck, out of your 300 million. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so that, just the cheese factor of that. It, it just kind of like, I was like, oh, damn it. The movie had a lot going for it. It did have its flaws. But then it gets to that. And I'm like, oh, okay. We're back to the Christmas spirit thing. And. And then to cap it off, this isn't a bad thing. It's just um, Santa, I guess, since everybody believes, comes back to life. He looks over and the reindeer are back. Well, the reindeer had flown back to the North Pole and Mrs. Claus put in Skull Crusher, his sledgehammer, and the reindeer brought it back. You know, and I think there was a note or something that said, I, I thought you might need this. You know, like she, she knew he was in trouble. Day late, a dollar short, but hey. <laughs> When uh when you said evil or when you said that Christmas dies tonight, did you see my post, Jason, on a uh, the social media on the Facebook page? I don't know. I don't think so I did. There, there's a meme that's uh, Buddy the Elf, and it's like it's starting to feel like sweater weather at night. I saw that. That means it's almost Christmas. And then on the bottom, it's Michael Myers, and he says, "You have to get past me first. So my post was Halloween fourteen. Christmas dies tonight. <laughs> Resurrected by the evil spirits of Halloween, Michael Myers goes on a murderous rampage to end all other holidays, starting with Christmas. Can Buddy the Elf save his beloved holiday? Buddy the Elf versus Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> I read that synopsis, and actually one of the first things that popped in my brain was, it kind of sounds like the writers of this movie wrote that out. You know, it's just, just this like weird, weird, like a, a ridiculous, obscene idea. I'd watch it. Now we know on the podcast who runs the social media and who, <laughs> who doesn't pay much attention to it. <laughs> I'm really glad because some of the stuff he posts, I'm like, man, I hope people are like, what the hell is Clint doing? <laughs> no, it's all, it's all me. Hey, Brian. I've made about two posts <laughs> in a year, but. <laughs> That's why you're on the naughty list. And you're going to be getting a visit from you're going to be getting a visit from Skull Crusher. So, hey, so I I think we did our best to try to you know discuss this movie and flow through it. And um, but I mean, you guys want to rate it? What do you think? I'll go first. So uh, I gave it a high rating just because uh, it's Christmas. Maybe a lot of Christmas horror movies, but um, there's more Halloween horror movies. But I had fun with it. I gave it even with everything that I maybe didn't like about it an eight out of ten. Candy cane shanks. 
You know, he's sucking on the candy cane and he stabs the guy in the face with it. I just had fun. We ended up seeing my sister and her uh, fiance like set two rows in front of us. And they didn't know that we were there until like the end of the movie. And then we get the cut scene at the end too. I'm like waiting to see if there's more at the end of the movie. And they're like walking out and Tiffany's talking to him. And uh, they're like, oh, he's a, he's a after the credit kind of guy, isn't he? And I was like, yeah, cause you get the kid and he's doing like the Instagram or whatever. They call it the post. And he's like, hey, this guy's dead. You know, just living my best life. Yee, <laughs> like taking a picture. <laughs> there, there was an after credit scene. Yeah, yep. That I, I didn't say credits rolled. I left. So yeah, eight out of ten. Maybe not that good, but I'll watch it again. I'll throw it on next Christmas. It's not my favorite Christmas horror movie. Um, if it's even a horror movie, we'll add it to the rotation. I'm, I'm kind of with you there. I didn't know what to do with it. You know, it, it had its flaws. The ending kind of was dumb. They could have like uh, cut part of that out. He could have just lived. I don't know. Whatever. I didn't make the movie, but I did enjoy it. I left the movie and I'm like, <laughs> that movie was great. You know, I, I had a good time. I laughed. I shook in my chair, literally. <laughs> and, uh, oh, 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 oh. So I, I was trying to fight seven or eight. So I'm going to go, you know, 7.5 disobeying reindeer out of 10. I can't wait to honestly watch it again. I want to re relive it. I wish it would come streaming somewhere before Christmas, but I doubt it since we're so close now and it just came out. Yeah, I will definitely pick this up on 4K, whatever, whatever it is. I had a good time. It was a, it was a good movie. What about you, Clint? You guys are up at the North Pole and I'm at the South, man. I knew not to expect a lot from this movie. And I, I did enjoy its humor. I enjoyed the premise. I enjoyed some of the kills. But I didn't rate it that high, and the reason is knowing that it was supposed to be a dark comedy action fi- action flick, the, the things that it was supposed to be, I don't think were done super well. A lot of those fight action scenes like we talked about earlier were dark with the shaky cam. It was really hard to see what was going on. I don't think they capitalized on a lot of things that they could have. I went with four and a half fucks out of 10 because they said fucks like a gratuitous, you know, gratuitously like an extreme amount of time just to see how many times they could do it again. The, I think the movie was bogged down. I don't think it flowed real well, but I didn't hate it, but I just think that for what it was, they didn't do a super good job. And you know, five's in the middle of the road. So I went with four and a half. I would have went with four. The audience experience brought it up a half tick. It was really fun to sit there and, and enjoy the enjoyable parts with everybody. That's where I'm at. But regardless of what you guys think or what I think or what the budget does, they're already talking about a sequel and there's going to be a possible sequel that would introduce us to Mrs. Claus and the elves. So even though even though I didn't enjoy this movie as much as I thought I was going to, I will see the sequel. I didn't hate the movie. That kind of surprises me. You know, I I came out of it thinking everybody's going to like this movie, (laughs) you know, with its flaws. Every movie has flaws, but yeah. Bah humbug, Clint. Bah humbug indeed. You're a a Deadly Games fan. You seen that one? The Pierre Noel, the 3615 code Pierre Noel. No, I know the title, but I haven't seen it, no. That would be like if you took Home Alone and made it a rated R horror movie. It's set in Germany. It's a German movie. Like it's, and it's before Home Alone. So there was a lot of talk of like, oh, you made a movie and you based it on the movie that we made. You just made it PG or PG 13 and took all the violence out, like all the blood and guts. So the director, Pierre Noel, was like, oh, you stole my movie. You'd probably like that one. No, I'd love to see that. And again, I, I, 
like the idea and the premise behind this movie. I just don't think they pulled it off really well. I don't know. It almost seems like they were going one direction and went another. And it was just too many of what the fucks. And I mean, I, I love a lot of ridiculous movies that are, are more than likely worse than this. But what they present themselves to be, they knock off, they, they pull off really well. And again, to me, what, what this presented itself to be was poorly executed as far as the action and the death scenes. There, there was some great one. There was some we didn't even mention where like he shoves the grenade into the one guy and walks away. And then he's like, Santa's like, oh, no, I got to watch this. And he turns around and watch the guy explode. You know, <laughs> I love the whole sledgehammer Celtic warrior thing. But yeah, just all in all, I just think it could have been put together a, a little better. I want to see that movie. I want to see Santa Claus with Skull Crusher, the movie. Yeah. Maybe we'll get some more of the story in the second one. That's another thing that, yeah, I want like more of that story. You know what else I want more of? Our podcast network, the PFPN. So let's hear from them. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. Home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So now that we've heard from our podcast network, it sounds like we have a question. Clint has a question. We got a question sent to us by our friend Brian Hoover, and he says, New question for the crew. Is there any horror movie filming locations that you want to visit that you haven't been to before stateside or even international kind of funny we have that question because right before we went on today i was talking about some filming locations that you know i would love to go see and where they just had you know movie screenings at had no idea this was our question so that's kind of fun but yeah i'll start it out um of course me um halloween (laughs) anything halloween i want to go to pasadena see the myers house see the hardware store see the other houses all of that stuff. I will do it sometime. There's talks of uh, the Halloween 45th anniversary in Pasadena, the convention. There was an ad in, I think, Horror Hound magazine where they were kind of talking about a convention. You know, it was kind of just rumor has it September 29th to October 1st, which September 29th is my birthday. I'm going to guilt the shit out of my wife, get some tickets to <laughs> Pasadena, Los Angeles. So maybe I'll two birds with one stone there, fly out there. Go to the convention, see all the filming locations. Well, I think you're due for a visit to your sister-in-law's anyway, right? She lives in California, doesn't she? Uh, yeah, she's she's in Northern California. Well, that's all right. No, I'd rather see Michael Myers than her. Well, sorry, yeah. I know. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> I, uh, shit. I'm sorry, Amy. I know she kind of... Oh, no, I used to work with Amy. She might be scarier than Michael Myers. You better watch yourself. She interacts <laughs> with us a lot here, too, on the podcast. So, sorry. Talking shit about She it. was going to send you a Christmas present, but it's not getting sent out now. Damn it. Sorry, Amy. <laughs> we'll come see you sometime, but Halloween's number one. Hell, she should come down and hang out with us there. Oh, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. Just don't get in the way of me doing shit because 
It's all Halloween. <laughs> Fam- family comes later. Halloween first. Oh, man. You sound like Michael Myers. You're just like, <laughs> fuck you, family. Stab y'all and Is go to the insane asylum. I don't know. He doesn't talk. <laughs> That's what I think he's thinking. Maybe. I don't know. Over the summer, you know, we kind of knocked out some of the filming locations we I really wanted to check out. So great question. I got to see some of them, but there's plenty more out there I want to see. The cosmic timing of this is, is pretty crazy, too, of this question, because just a few days ago before this question, before Brian Hoover sent this question over, I got into a conversation with a guy that I work with at my day job, and he's getting ready to head down to Florida. And he's like, yeah, along the, along the way, we're going to stop in Georgia and check out some of the Walking Dead filming locations. And I guess he's checked out some before and like he was telling me he's been to, like he went to where Terminus was shot, which is still a working train station, but it's surrounded by, by some uh, pretty bad area, you know, nothing you want to hang out at too long. And but yeah, so we were just having a conversation about different walking dead filming locations. Me personally, nothing really comes to mind. I mean, some of the ones that I wanted to see, I saw earlier on this year in 2022 when we went to Monroeville Mall and got to go we I went with you guys we went and saw you know the Evan City Cemetery and stuff like that so no there's nothing real specific I do know that one of these days I want to get they have all these um where you can go to where Friday the 13th was shot or you know the camp where Friday the 13th part 6 was shot and watch the movie with the cast and I'd like to do something like that one day that'd be pretty cool yeah one of the ones they just did on that was in iowa it's on the other side of the state so it's like an eight hour drive to where um children of the corn was filmed um and then they're doing another one it's called what's it the myers house jason yeah they put it on it's on set cinema is what it's called they did a texas chainsaw massacre where you could like eat and stay the night in the house that's now like a barbecue joint um they're doing a my bloody valentine in canada they're showing it outside the mine where the movie was filmed. And then there's like a after party down at like the VFW or Legion or whatever the place is downtown there. I'd love to go to that one. But it's like in February in Canada, way out east. I think it's like a 14 hour flight even for us, like for me from Chicago. Maybe not that long, but it's like a super far trip. And February in Canada, I don't know that you'd get there. Or get home. Like, the, if the weather turns bad, you might be stuck in Canada for, you know, a couple of days or a week or even. That would be cool. My favorites were Eternal Living Dead, and a lot of that was filmed in California. Um, and the cemetery was like a peach field. It's not even like a cemetery. So I don't even know. I think the building, you know, the You Need a Medical Building, is there. I don't think it's a medical building, but that'd be kind of cool. But there's nothing that's like crazy. Tiffany's cousin lives in Washington, D.C., and they're both Georgetown graduates. So I was like, oh, do you think if we go visit, we can like go to Georgetown? And she's like, oh, yeah, they're alumni there. They can take you to like the basketball stadium and you can see all the, you know, all the trophies and stuff. And I was like, fuck that. I just want to go to the stairs from the exorcist. <laughs> I was like, I don't care about I just want to go to the stairs and like lay down like I just got pushed down the stairs. Get my picture taken. <laughs> that's one that's probably one of the top ones on my list. I don't want to go to any of the filming locations for Jaws because then a shark would fucking eat me. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> you know, being being stuck in Canada actually might not be all that bad. Did I tell you about my like first time ever going to Canada? Mm-mm. Yeah, so I live in the Detroit area, just across the Ambassador Bridge. I can get over into uh, into Windsor there. But so when I was nineteen, I won this like horror Halloween haunted set 
decoration contest thing. The first place was I got like a cash prize and I got a gift certificate through a travel agency. I was 19. You can drink legally, at least you could then at 19 in Canada. So me and a couple of my buddies booked a suite over in Windsor, went over there and spent the weekend there and hit the casino and walked around, hit all the bars and everything, you know, and I remember we go over there and we get checked into the hotel and then we hit the hit the street walking around figuring out where we're going to go and we pass this group of there's like two or three young women real real cute you know what I mean again I'm like 19 and we kind of pass each other we're eyeballing each other and murmured to my buddies there I was like oh, check them out you know and all of a sudden I hear welcome to Canada and I turn around and she's flashing her chest at me and I was just like holy shit yeah welcome to Canada you know and that's when I found out that it's legal at least it was then for women to be topless in Canada and you can drink? Yeah, at 19. Oh, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, Let's go. I have no idea. Right. Yeah. Well, I want to go to Windsor, be closer to my, my, De- my Detroit Lions, and get flashed. I want to go to Windsor, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, now that we've answered our question, what are we up to? Jason, you up to anything? Anything at all? No, nothing. I'll be working, having Christmas and New Year's, and but nothing fun. Well, I mean, it'll be fun, but nothing horror-related fun. Watch as many Christmas horror movies as I can. What about you, Clint? I'm kind of doing some, uh, just the same old plan. It got a little diverted. I'm kind of doing some rebuilding, some refocusing. Um, but yeah, just the same old plan. Getting ready for some conventions. Uh, the the amount that I'm going to see is going to be condensed from my original plan. Uh, I want to start that writing project. Ring in the new year with my girls and have a blast and see where 2023 is going to take us. Take this show take ink mirrors, take this genre, take the fan films that we talk about. I'm really excited to see what 2023 has to bring. So nothing specific except a whole bunch of normal coolness, coolness and craziness. So let's see. I got Joe Bob next weekend. That'll be fun. Jack's coming down. He hasn't been down lately. Uh, Soccer and wrestling and school. He's been busy, 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 and he's a junior, so he's trying to you know spend as much time with his friends. So we got Joe Bob next weekend for the Joe Bob Ghoul Tide. Jack and Xavier coming over. We're gonna get some chicken wings and watch some movies. Other than that, just Christmas. Throwing in some Christmas movies. I checked out a Christmas Bloody Christmas last night. I don't know. Is that is there another Christmas movie out that just come out horror related? Yeah, Violent Night. Yeah, that one, but I feel like there was another one. Never heard of it. <laughs> Probably need to put some of these movies away that I got and records and just celebrate Christmas. And then really excited, like you said, Clint, for next year. Sounds like we're working on getting some awesome guests lined up. We have a great episode coming up. Our next episode should be awesome. It's a look forward. I, we don't usually say what we're going to talk about on our next episode, but I think we're all kind of super excited about what next year is going to bring. And we're going to talk about several of the things on our next episode that are coming out next year. We even got business cards. You know, we got business cards. <laughs> that whole, that whole look forward ahead to that episode pretty much is going to rest solely on Jason's shoulders. So if it sucks, you guys got to blame him. Okay. It's not going to suck. It's going to be good. All right. I've been working on it. Poor Jason. Usually it rests on my shoulders. It's nice to kind of have a little break. I stopped I stopped listening after you mentioned chicken wings, so I'm kind of... Chicken wings? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I immediately went to the filling, like the filling station chicken wings. That's Jason's it. ready for lunch. Well, yeah. well, now that you know what we're up to and that Jason wants chicken wings, don't forget to check us out on our socials. I like a spooky horror podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. 
Have a happy holidays and a Merry Christmas and whatever you celebrate. Celebrate the hell out of it and don't give a fuck what anybody else says. Bye bye. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Hey, what's wrong with you, man? Show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya?